the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. it is it's the nick t podcast how are you my name is nick digilio thank you for checking us out on the radio misfits podcast network the greatest podcast network in the world we have tons of amazing varied entertaining informative and cool podcasts radiomisfits.com check them all out subscribe to them hey and rate and review all of us on every platform and all of the podcasts at radio misfits are available everywhere so please take the time give us feedback rate and review us on every platform it is episode 96 of the Nick D Podcast. If you'd like to be a part of the Nick D Podcast, our uh, voicemail lines are open 24-7. We want to hear from you. We encourage any and all voicemails that you want to leave with your questions and your comments and your contributions and your megaphone requests, the magic megaphone, which is just this weird bit where you request me to say something into the magic megaphone. We play it back a couple of times, tell the story, and fulfill all of your dreams through the magic megaphone. The weirdest uh, uh, running bit we've ever had, and, it, and people continue to do it. If you want to hear a magic megaphone message, leave it either by sending an email or voicemail. Here's how you get a hold of us. Here's how you contact us 24-7. Voicemail, 773-417-6948. Email, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, you want to advertise? You got a business? You want to be a sponsor? We would love to hear from you. Lots of people listen to this podcast. You will reach a ton. So please sponsor or advertise with us. Contact us, sales at radiomisfits.com. All right, Jason Skaggs, thank you, buddy, for that theme and for all the crazy sounds and themes that you do. And uh, we are here, and it is uh, it is a Friday. It is every other Friday, and that means Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, my buddies, the film critics from the Chicago Film Critics Association, which we are having our awards next week. We'll talk a little bit about that for uh, the end of the year. It is the end of the, of the movie year. 2022, and I've seen every movie. I'm done. I've got my lists. I'm going to be port- posting the best movies of 2022 on my uh, social medias, the worst movies of 2022. And we will be doing that, uh, Eric and Steve and I, uh, January 6th on the podcast episode that drops on January 6th. We will be unveiling our best and worst movies of 2022. So 2022, great year for movies, by the way. A great year and a great year. Uh, a really sort of incredible year for me to actually come back full-time, jumping headfirst into the world of film criticism with all of my buddies and being back in the Film Critic Association and going to the screenings and going to the festivals and all that cool stuff. It was a great year. I mean, you know, personally, it was a fantastic year for me because this podcast is almost a year old and because I, I get back into it, doing what I love to do and seeing all my colleagues and reviewing movies. And then it turns out to be an unbelievably quality year of films for 2022. Although... My lists are considerably different than a lot of people's lists. In fact, a lot of my favorite movies of the year, a lot of people either didn't see or didn't like, and a lot of the movies that I hated this year are mostly on good lists. So 
A lot of people's best of 2022 lists are movies that are on my worst of 2022 list. And vice versa. It's going to be interesting. But it's been a great year, and we will do a summation of that. And again, if you follow me on the social medias, uh, today actually is the day that my best of list uh, drops and, uh, and all that cool stuff. So, and also, uh, you know, uh, we've got a live podcast coming up. Uh, you remember back in November, we did a live version of the Nick D podcast at Zany's in Rosemont. We're doing it again. Me and Esmeralda are going to be back on stage. My dad's going to come up and tell a joke at the end of the show. And we've got a special surprise guest who we will announce this time. We're not going to keep it a surprise, but we're going to announce it in about a week or two. And uh, he is an Emmy Award winner. He is a legend in the comedy world, and he's one of the nicest and most unbelievably brilliantly funny men you will ever meet. And he said, yeah, yeah, man, I'll be a guest. And he's going to be live on stage at Zanies and Rosemont. We'll tell you who he is. It's going to be unbelievable. We'll have taste tests. We'll have giveaways. It'll be interactive. It was a blast the last time we did it, and we want to pack the place again. You can be a part of the recording of the podcast, which means you will forever be recorded on an episode of the podcast. Uh, and it's going to be interactive and fun. We're going to laugh. We'll tell stories. It'll be great. And again, this guest, who we will announce in a couple of weeks, is brilliantly funny. He's great. And I'm so, so thrilled that he is going to be a guest. And Esmeralda and I will get to interview him, and you'll get to see him and all kinds of cool stuff. So, hey, and by the way, you know, the holidays are coming up. And you know what would make a great gift for the holidays? How about a few tickets to see the Nick D Podcast Live at Zany's in Rosemont? How about that? That is a thoughtful, awesome, incredible gift. So uh, you can go to <laughs> rosemont.zanies.com. The uh, live podcast event is on Tuesday, January 17th. Mark it down on your calendars. Keep your night free. Let's pack the place. Let's have a great time. Tuesday, January 17th at Zanies and Rosemont, the Nick D podcast live. You can be there. And it's a fantastic gift for family, friends, everybody. So order those tickets now at Zanies. Uh, okay, go to rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets, and we'll see you on January 17th. Esmeralda will be joining me uh, for the third segment of the show. We're going to be talking about the word of the year. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get into that. We've got a megaphone message to do, and we're going to continue with our weird Japanese snack taste test. That's all coming up on the podcast. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. Hi, Carrie. I love you. Oh, you know I do. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. And she is the star of Cocaine Bear. If you've not seen the trailer, you need to watch it right fucking now. Stop everything you're doing, halt in your tracks, and immediately YouTube and Google Cocaine Bear. Watch the trailer. It's going to be the greatest film in the history of humankind. And we're working on getting Carrie Russell on to promote it uh, like next month or the month after. It comes out in February. So anyway, hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm Carrie oh, Russell. Oh, yes. I love Nick's show. I know, and I love Cocaine Bear. Good thing I used I said the word bear at the end. That would have been very weird. All right, anyway, listen. Uh, we are here. Episode 96 commences. Eric Childress, Steve Procopi in the movies after I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh, yeah. Don't be a jagoff. it is all right it is time for the movie reviews 
Every other Friday on the Nick D Podcast, in this episode 96, I am joined by Eric Childress and Steve Procopi, movie critics and uh, members of the Chicago Film Critics Association, uh, of which I am a, a member again. I was away for a while, but I'm back. And, uh, and uh, we always review the movies. This is our last visit before 2023. Um, so let me first say hello to uh, Eric. Eric Childress. Hi, Eric. Hello. Hi. And here is Steve Procopi. Hello, Steve. I'm I'm as emotional thinking about this being our last one of the year as I was during the Avatar movie. So it's very emotional. We can't. No, we can't talk about it. Can't talk we can't about talk it. about it. We can't talk about I, it. I can say I was emotional. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, me too. Notice you didn't say which emotion. Yeah. So um, right. anyway, we'll we'll talk about that. Uh, I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, but, th- but it, 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 <laughs> soon. But this is our last uh, visit during uh, 2022. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will be back. The next time we're back, we'll be on January 6th, 2023, with our year-end show. Just the best of. And the whole episode is going to be dedicated to that. Like, we're going to do a full hour 45, two hours, dedicated completely to the year of 2022 and the best movies. And so we'll have our lists and we'll unveil them there. Now, I'm going to unveil my list on social media here and there starting like tonight and then throughout. But the first time that you um, and I, you guys and myself will be able to talk about it together. will be on January 6th. So that's the Mm -hmm. next time we get together. So uh, have a great uh, uh, holiday, have a great Christmas and have a great new year and, uh, and all that. Thank you you everyone. And it's been a, it's been an interesting uh, 2022 uh, movie wise. I think it's been a great year. Um, Like a really great year. And, the weird mm-hmm. thing is, like the stuff that I love, nobody likes, and the stuff that I hate, everybody loves. <laughs> that, that's the weird, and I still think it's been a pretty amazing year. So anyway, we'll talk about that in January. All right, um, and uh, so Eric, tell everybody where they can read and hear and all that uh, pluggy stuff. Yes, uh, over at the the Now Playing Network, uh, the Movie Madness podcast that I do uh, every week. Uh, Steve Procopi is the regular guest on there, uh, as well as the the Friendship Dilemma, another podcast I do with Morgan Geyer, where we look at films and their relationships to male and female friendships and how they translate, hopefully without romance. And not a lot of films do that, so we try to right. find them. All right, cool. Uh, Steve, where can people read and see your stuff and you? They can read me at thirdcoastreview.com practically every day. And uh, and then also on Eric's Movie Madness podcast. And I spend a lot of time uh, working and just hanging out at the Music Box Theater where I am the PR manager. So That's right. That's right. And speaking of PR, let's do a little PR for the Music Box, shall we? Mm. Um, <laughs> and you guys continue to do such great stuff. I just want to, I just want to say that, you know, the past year – um, I've been frequenting the music box, I, you know, uh, with a lot of regular, <laughs> with a lot of I was going to say excessive. I think excessively yeah. is the word I would use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the many reasons I do is because you guys are programming the shit out of that building and uh, and doing a great mm-hmm. job. So congratulations on a really, really great 2022. The the you know the first run stuff you did, the new stuff, the the revivals, mm-hmm. the old stuff, the weird shit that you guys are programming. You guys, Ryan is <laughs> Ryan is allowing a lot of weirdos to program movies. Uh, oh yeah. There. I mean, no, seriously, <laughs> it's it is he he allows no. a lot of weird fucking people to program at that at that theater, and uh, and I'm grateful for it. Um, so, mm-hmm. but congratulations, and you know, and, and yeah, in December, thanks. the Music Box is a lovely place to go to if you like that Christmas kind of shit. 
Um, <laughs> and and it really is. People love it. And you guys, I mean, it, you know, you guys do the obviously the the double feature of White Christmas and mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life, the sing along, all that stuff. And it's it is you guys that thing sells out constantly, doesn't it? Like almost yeah, every. Start, it starts this weekend. It sells out almost every show. Completely sells out. This is our thirty ninth year doing this. Amazing. Believe it or not, amazing. Which I can't I can't believe next year is forty years of it. Um, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's you get the films, but you also get sort of like a big long pre show that involves. I will say Santa Claus comes out. The organist, uh, we get carolers up there. Dennis Scott, our organist, plays. There's a sing-along. You get and you get a very you get a different pre-show for each movie. So if you want both pre-shows, you got to see both movies. But and then there's like a short I think that plays before the feature, and that's different for each movie. Um, it's it's a whole thing, and people like send us their photos of of them and their families or their big groups or whatever i mean we get yeah. like groups like 20 and 30 people showing up so yeah so that's that kind of dominates starting december 9th through the christmas eve so yeah all right well and that's that's of course the double feature of white christmas and it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. and and seriously the the festivity and the the mood at the music box is <laughs> seriously it's very very if you if you like the christmas spirit you will undoubtedly get it when you go uh, to the music box, not just for those two movies, but for other movies as well. But uh, but yeah. get on it if you want to get those tickets. You you gotta order them ahead of time because they're gonna sell out. Yeah, and it's musicboxtheater.com, musicboxtheater.com for uh, White Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. That double bill, mm-hmm. sing along, uh, the Santa coming, the organ, and all that stuff. <laughs> and then there are other Christmas sort of alternate alternative Christmas yes uh, movies that you're showing as well, which is kind of much more up my fucking alley than uh, than. <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life and White Christmas, but tell. Uh, Believe it or not, I probably shouldn't say this. I've never actually done the the Christmas the the sing along stuff before. I've never actually sat through a whole yeah no, showing of that. No. But I, I but I have I do come to the alternative <laughs> ones pretty often. So like this year, we're showing um, Eyes Wide Shut in thirty five on yep. December thirteenth twice. We're playing it twice. Yep, and then on uh, December. 14th and 15th you have to look at the show times we're playing combinations of two tim robbins movies batman returns and edward scissorhands both of which have like holiday or wintry <laughs> themes no, Chris, to them ba- so ba- batman, yeah. <laughs> batman return batman returns is a christmas movie man it's a christmas oh absolutely movie. yeah, yeah. Uh, edward scissorhands has christmas stuff in it but batman Amazing. returns i i watch batman returns every year at christmas i mm-hmm. mean until it's the final un- line of the movie. I'm sorry. It's yeah. the final line of the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and it was up until you know the Matt Reeves movie came out this year. It was my favorite Batman movie of all time. And and I agree and, with that. Yeah. And and I and I love it, man. And and I'm I'll be yeah. there for that. I love Edward Scissorhands. And well, you know, you guys know that I'm one of those guys that like for I'm the only person on the planet who backs almost everything that Tim Burton is. Have you guys watched Wednesday? By the way, have you no. watched Wednesday? Uh, it's, no, no, it's great. It's great. No. It's great. But anyway, uh, so you're showing Eyes Wide Shut, which is a comedy. I want to make sure people know that. Um, <laughs> and Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands. Uh, and, but, but Eyes Wide Shut just one day, but two showings. Two shows, yeah. Four and 7.30, I think, yeah. Four and 7.30 so. on uh, Tuesday. It's Tuesday, right? The 13th? Well, I, the 13th. I don't know. Whatever it yeah. is. Tuesday. That's a, that's a Tuesday. That sounds right. right. No, yeah, because yeah. the awards are the next night. The awards are Wednesday. Correct. Right. Right. Okay. Correct. Uh, so Eyes Wide Shut. And then on the 14th and 15th, you guys are doing Batman Returns and Edward Scissorhands. 
mm-hmm. um, which which is awesome because those movies are both great. Um, uh, <laughs> Eric, you a fan of uh, Batman Returns? Oh, of course. Yeah, please. I mean, and, know, and I, ba- I adore the Keaton movies and the the Tim Burton ones. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and and I and, and without question, uh, uh, Michelle uh, Pfeiffer is the best Catwoman ever. It's it's also it's also the horniest kinkiest Batman movie it, without question. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know if there's a close second to that, but I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, uh, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. There's no question about it. And so much of that has to do with Michelle Pfeiffer. God, she's so oh, yes. mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. good. <laughs> and then you've got the Music Box of Horrors is doing an even more well, alternative uh, double feature. For, for last Christmas. year we had last year we had Joe Bob Briggs in it like, yeah. just before Christmas and yeah, he yeah, did yeah. a double feature so we didn't do it with Box of Horrors last year but this year uh, with our with our sponsor Shutter they they sponsor this horror, Box of Horrors double bill of Santa's Sleigh S L A Y and the children uh that's on December 19th at 7:30 um and I, I know I've seen the children, and I know it's set in late December, and that's about all I remember about it. But it now, is, I do remember it's decidedly messed up. Like the it's only, really... the only, the only movie horror movie called The Children that I remember, the first one that pops into my head, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording, yeah. is this film from 1980 that I saw at the Luna Theater at Belmont and Cicero, <laughs> uh, probably three times, and it was a, it was a, a terrible, ridiculous, low budget movie about a group of kids in a school bus that travel over a bridge and pass by a nuclear power plant that's experiencing a leak and they go through the nuclear mist. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and on the other side, they turn into like crazy-ass zombies with black fingernails. And when they hug adults, the adults sizzle and die. That's what so I remember. This might be that movie. This, this might be that movie. <laughs> but that's um, not a, if I remember, it's not a Christmas movie. Movie. But I think they're going home for Christmas. Like, okay, I think that's, all right. I don't know. <laughs> that's what <laughs> Eric. Eric, do you remember? Do you remember the children, Eric? No, I've never seen this movie. Nineteen eighty. I saw it at the Luna. I saw it with. I'm, God, I'm trying to remember. I think I saw it with the Hearst with Trish Vanderveer, <laughs> and and with fucking Alligator, uh, the oh, John Sales John Sales movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, why, wait, why am I? Bl- Louis Teague directed uh, Alligator. Sorry, I blanked out. But but John Sales wrote yeah. it anyway. Uh, but yeah. yeah, but no, the chill. Okay, maybe it's a, maybe it is a Christmas movie, but I don't remember. <laughs> I, 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 you have to look it up. I don't okay, remember, but I will, I will say, say I, think, I believe Santa's sleigh has uh, Goldberg in it, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, I, I, think think it, I think it does. Yeah. Have you guys, by the way, have you guys shown? Have you at the music box for the weird uh, alternative shit? Have you guys ever shown Christmas Evil? Uh, not to my knowledge, oh. not at least while I've been around. But, oh man! Yeah, but I mean, that, again, that would be more of a because the alternative Christmas just means alternative to yeah. the the double feature. It doesn't right. necessarily mean no, no. I, I mean for the box, of, box, for the of, box horrors. of horrors. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is right. this is a, this might be the first year we've done a technically a box of horrors okay. double right. feature for Christmas. So now, you guys, it's, have, it's only because we don't have Joe Bob. So yeah, you guys have both seen Christmas Evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. I, and again, I you know this is a movie that Colin turned me on to. Oddly enough, not oddly enough, mm-hmm. considering he's the Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. I'd never even heard of the movie, and and Fiona Apple's mm-hmm. dad is in it. I mean, it's just <laughs> fucking right. insane. It's an insane movie, and it's insane. And now the mm-hmm. the the um, so we can t- t- talk really quickly. Are there uh, sort of alternate Christmas movies that you guys like? So Eric, is there a Christmas movie that's not like the regular generic Christmas movie oh, that you like to go God. to? Oh man. Um... 1941. Oh, goddamn good. Yes. Yeah. God damn it. 
And only yeah. we're actually as we're taping this. Wait a minute, did it take place? Today? No, 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 no. It's well, a week after lead up to Christmas. It's yeah, yeah no, but it's a week. week. It's a week after Pearl Harbor. It's a right. week after Pearl Harbor, so it's 14th. Right. I think it takes place on December 14th. That's Almost correct. positive. It, I think it takes place the night we'll be handing out awards. That's right. <laughs> that's our 1941 themed <laughs> award dinner. Oh, man. Oh, that's uh, pretty cool. So, yeah, 1941. I showed that for Christmas once at my, uh, mm-hmm. film, at my film club. Yeah. Um, Steve, you have one? Like a Christmas? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, it's a movie. I've tried to get the music box to play this, actually. Rare Exports. Oh god! Um, Beautiful. That's where I saw it. That's where I saw it at the music yeah. box. Yeah, when it first came out. I know, and we haven't played it since, and I'm di- I'm dying for people. Yeah, people love that fucking movie. It's and... a great movie. It's a great, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's it's a great movie. And everybody was like, oh, you know, uh, like there were some people who are kind of backing that uh, David Harbor movie, and I'm like, look, you want to see a fucking alternate Santa, badass, yeah. crazy movie? Watch <laughs> Rare Exports. That's a great <laughs> movie. Mine is um, uh, the Ice Harvest. Uh, the, right. which right. might be my favorite uh, Harold Ramis directed movie of all time. Certainly the best performance John Cusack has ever given uh, an amazing movie with him and Billy Bob Thornton. Great, great film. That's my choice. And I mean, the one that I go to every year besides the ice harvest, which is a very alternate, my favorite Christmas movie of all time is the ref. And it always, it always uh, will yeah. be. Mm-hmm. I love that movie. So, all right. Uh, speaking, we, we, we were just mentioning in passing the Chicago uh, critics film <laughs> f- uh, awards. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Eric, we, those awards will be handed out on uh, Wednesday night, the 14th. Yes. Um, and we are now kind of at the beginning stages of the voting. Yeah, uh, we're right. And, voting has begun uh, yeah. for the first round. Nominations will be announced publicly on Monday, uh, d- December 12th. Uh, then we'll have the final round to choose the winners, and they will be announced at our awards dinner on December 14th. Okay, so if uh, you're looking for the Chicago Film Critics Association uh, films in, in a bunch of categories. How many categories? 19 categories? 19 categories. Okay. Hmm. Uh, you, can, you can find out who the, the nominees will be announced on Monday and the winners will be handed out on Wednesday and they will be slowly uh, put out on social media while the awards are happening. Right, yeah. We will have people uh, do announcements uh, for the awards, open envelopes, and all, all that kind of good stuff, just you oh, know, like everyone else does. So, yeah, it's always it's always a really fun evening, and this is the first time we're uh, doing it at this uh, at the Brick House Tavern. Uh, and so we're, look, we're hoping uh, for a really great night. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I'll be, it's, it, I'm, just, I'm thrilled that I'm actually going out somewhere. <laughs> um, and I haven't been to, like, the Chicago Film Critic Awards. I haven't been to. I've, I've had some very incredible uh, moments over the years. I was drunk here's a shocker i was drunk one one year um and i went up to tom hanks who had won for forrest gump okay and i went up to him and i was like hey and i had been drinking like, <laughs> like hey i go hey man i loved you in forrest gump you're great i go but now you know you you you're winning all these oscars and stuff you didn't forget about fucking bachelor party did you that's what i said to him <laughs> and, and he launched into like lines from Bachelor Party. He's like, no, I love that movie. And he grabs me and started doing it. And that's how cool oh, Tom Hanks is. He's the man. <laughs> yeah. And so there's that. And then the night that, uh, and I'm not bullshitting you, the night that uh, uh, Mercedes Rules Rule hit on my ass big time at the mm. bar in the pump room back in uh, 1992. And, there you uh, go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, I was, I had, a, I had a girlfriend at the time. And, uh, and, but I'm Otherwise. telling you right now, I'm not kidding. 
I'm not fucking kidding. I'm not kidding. Uh, so that was that was 19 February of 1992, yeah. and whatever the name of the bar was across the hallway from the restaurant of the pump room, because that's where we used to do the awards back then. Uh-huh. But yeah, Mercedes Rule. That was a good night. <laughs> and then I went. I went back to my girlfriend's apartment. I'll never forget this. I went back to my girlfriend's apartment after the the awards, and I was actually sober at that one. I wasn't drunk. And I went back to, to her apartment, and she's like, well, how was it? I was like, oh, it was great, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, hey, listen, I got to tell you, Mercedes Rules was all over me, man. She was hitting on me all over the place. It was, you know, it was unbelievable. And she's like, yeah, you're so full of shit, I'm going to bed. And that was it. <laughs> Do you, Nick, you just watch another you sometimes and just go, I could have had that. <laughs> uh, but wait a minute, Mercedes Rule? Oh, yeah, in another you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the... I'm sorry. Well, I don't know what what's the, what was the similarly titled Marissa Tomei, who, by the way, was also only there. you. Only okay. you. She was also there that night. Ah. Uh, 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 because huh. she was she there that night for no 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 the year later she was there for um cousin Vinny for cousin Vinny yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah no 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 but yeah I'm sorry I was like no I didn't Marissa she didn't hit on me we talked but she didn't hit on me but anyway <laughs> all right. So uh, I wonder who's going to hit on me at the brick. You guys, one of you guys can hit on me at the uh, sure at the at the, uh, at the brick house on uh, Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> or just hit you. Yeah, I don't want to feel. I, just, I don't want to feel <laughs> like I'm wasting my time. So uh, anyway, no, it's going to be great. I'm very excited about it. I can't wait to 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 see everybody and to see who wins. Even though like everything I vote for is not going to win. All right. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we'll have we'll we'll talk about that too uh, in the year end thing. And keep your eyes peeled on social media and everywhere for the Chicago Film Critics Association Awards, which will be uh, announced. The winners will actually be announced that night on the fourteenth. So there you go. Okay, movies to talk about. All right, Steve, uh, you have a, yes. a, a, a deep and personal connection to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. So you go ahead and tell us about. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, okay. which is uh, which was in theaters at the Music Box and in theaters for a little while, and now right. it debuts today on Netflix. Correct. Uh, yes, and we had we were lucky enough to have Mr. Del Toro via via Zoom on the big screen at the Music Box after a thirty five millimeter screening of Pinocchio, and it, it he was lovely, and we had no technical glitches. I was th- unlike today. Um, we had no technical glitches, and it was it was wonderful. And he was did he did me a favor basically, and I thank him for that. And and I tell I, he promised the whole room of seven hundred people he was going to come to the music box in twenty twenty three. So we'll see if that happens. But anyway, um, so if you told me earlier this year that I'd be seeing a film version of Pinocchio that featured a cameo by Benito Mussolini, I would probably have guessed. I probably would have been able to guess that the filmmaker was Guillermo del Toro because. Uh, he, he's up to his old tricks again. He, this is like the third time I think he's dealt with fascism in <laughs> either Spain or, 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 or Spain or Italy in this case. But um, and in, in, in the properly titled Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio does feature the Italian dictator as part of this rise of fascism backdrop. Um, it's, it's a perfect landscape to tell a story about who the real puppets in the world are and, and who are truly free. And, uh, Del Toro, who, who wrote, who co-wrote the film with his frequent collaborator Patrick McHale, uh, co-directed the stunning stop-motion reworking of the the classic tale alongside animation legend Mark Gustafson, who was part of that Vinton Studios group. He did the Adventures of Mark Twain, and he he was an animation director on Fantastic Mr. Fox and Return to Oz. Um, and the and resulting also, work and is, also and also the, the PJs. 
Well, Fox. the PJs, yes, of yeah. course. Don't, That's, don't yeah. forget about the PJs. I never forget. <laughs> I love that show. I love don't, that show. Don't fly. I told you, don't flush the toilet. Don't flush the paper towels down the toilet. It's <laughs> <laughs> the best thing Eddie Murphy ever did. Great anyway, show. So, great show. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, the resulting work is is beautiful, uh, low level, terrifying. Exactly the kind of movie kids of all ages should appreciate and maybe even get freaked out by it a little bit. Um, structured very differently than most versions of Pinocchio, um, especially the Disney version, uh, especially the most recent Disney version. Uh, Del Toro's version begins by showing the sort of close relationship between this woodworker Geppetto, who's voiced by David Bradley, and his real-life son Carlo, who's voiced by Gregory Mann, uh, who also does the Pinocchio voice. Um, uh, to begin with, the character designs here are spectacular, even the human ones, but often they look like sort of intricate wood carvings moving around in elaborate sets with the kind of detail you would typically find only in live action films. Uh, Carlo is killed in a bombing raid or not even a bombing raid. They're just dumping their bombs, if I remember correctly, yeah. To, yeah. to get home these planes. And Geppetto is despondent for years. And one day, you know, after cursing God at his son's grave, he gets drunk and cuts down a tree and brings it home and, and drunkenly crafts a puppet version of Carlo. Um, the final product is like sloppy and slightly horrific. And it's just like a puppet um, that happens to have a cricket living inside, voiced by you and McGregor. Um, the cricket had only just taken up residence in the tree so he could write his memoirs. Um, I think. I think one of the funniest running funniest running gags in the film is that this cricket tries to sing this song <laughs> throughout the movie and it keeps getting like cut off, right. which is funny because it considering that like the Disney version of this story, like the song that that cricket sings is like the theme song to Disney yep. that, that that it's kind of funny. They yep. keep cutting it off. But anyway, um, so Pinocchio isn't brought to life by a blue fairy in this. It's like a mysterious creature called the wood sprite who's voiced by Tilda Swinton. It's a classic Del Toro creation with like eyes and the wings and a mask covering up its face that we can only imagine is really horrible. Um, furthermore, the sprite has a sibling. It's simply called Death in the credits, and it's also voiced by Tilda Swinton. Uh, not not a scary, uh, not a scary version of Death, but just kind of an insightful version of Death that kind of lays out the rules of, of Pinocchio. Since he's not like a living thing, he he can die but then come back to life after a few minutes. Uh, Ron Perlman is also on hand as a, as a sort of fascist enthusiast who doesn't trust Pinocchio because he's too much of a free thinker. Um, even though his son, uh, voiced by Finn Wolfhard, is inclined to be friends with the, the wooden boy. Um, we still have the carnival storyline uh, with Christoph Waltz as a sort of master of ceremonies and his monkey sidekick who is voice doing primarily just primate sounds by Kate Blanchett, although she does actually do voices, but you might not be able to figure out that. I'm um, also providing voice work here, John Turturro, Ben Byrne Gorman, Tim Blake Nelson, and Tom Kenny as the aforementioned uh, Mussolini. The sea monster that swallows some of our heroes is also here, but it's not just a whale. It's like a real freaking gross out horror show water beast, like inside and out. Um, it like, this is, this is unlike many versions of Pinocchio, this version, it's very clear. The wooden boy has to learn to be human by embracing his mistakes and, and the mistakes of humanity, like compliance and the need to feel part of something greater and selfishness. Those are the lessons that Pinocchio has to learn before he can really understand what it is to love and be human. 
um, the path of fulfillment is not easy. Um, it, but this film is told in a mature, nuanced, inventive way. Um, my, my, you know, my criticisms of the film are very minor. I, I think the kid who voices Pinocchio is a little annoyingly energetic sometimes, but his levels are understandable because he's literally realizing what it's like to be alive for the first time and just everything is new to him. Um, so yeah, this this is a masterful creation in execution. Del Toro and Gustafson are like putting actual thought into an animated project in ways that are rarely done outside of like the halls of something like Ardman or Leica or Pixar. Um, I would, I would watch this movie. Like I could watch this movie a dozen times. I've already seen it three times and, and see something new each time there's drama, there's tension, there's heart, all of which give the film actual stakes. Um, and I honestly, I got one thing I told Del Toro, I said, I hope you keep doing these stop motion things because You've got like you've got this whole system in place now. Keep it up, and and he said he was going to. So, anyway, I I'm this is easily one of the best, certainly one of the best films of the year, but also I think probably the best animated film of the year. So that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio All right. on Netflix. Eric, what do you think? Well, you know, 2022 amongst other things has been a real test of my loyalty. Uh, considering that we've already had one Pinocchio film this year from one of my favorite filmmakers, Robert Zemeckis, and yeah. now we have this new one from yeah, you and me both, you, you and me both, you and me both, Eric. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> but uh, I, I admire what Del Toro does more than I really liked a lot of what Del Toro does. Uh, but this is one of my favorite things that Del Toro has done, and. If, if for no other reason that, I mean, Pinocchio, I think at this point, has been remade more times than Hamlet. And it, it just to put your own spin on it while maintaining the, the core uh, and many of the things that we know and, and like and love about the story and like, the way Steve sort of, you know, put it together, the idea of that, you know, who is a puppet? What is a puppet? What is human? Um, what is good? What is bad? Are all these these very interesting themes that are thrown out uh, throughout uh, Del Toro's version? And the the first hour of this film, I like so much. I, I mean, it really had me uh, in, in sort of emotional grips. I like the. I mean, both funny enough, both Zemeckis and Del Toro added the sort of the backstory of the the fallen son. And uh, and I think and I think both versions I think that aspect I think increases the emotional intensity between Geppetto and and the and the new uh, the doll and and I think it works even better obviously here with the way that we see that the child killed I mean it's, it's incredibly tragic it's, it's horrific to watch uh, and there's a real kind of adult sensibility about this while I think it's still being perfectly. Uh, acceptable for for children to watch. Uh, in fact, I encourage it. And it, it, but it's those those elements that he sort of twists and turns into uh, the themes that he wants to control that I think make this one stand apart. I think when the film in the more even more so in the second half kind of has to fall, falls back on some of the familiar things that we're familiar with with Pinocchio. I think that's when I not really I didn't really lose interest, but I think that like okay, we've kind of been here before and we're just sort of covering the the ground that we need to. Um so I didn't quite get the sort of the full emotional uh grasp of this uh but by the end of it, I think that there have been a, funny enough I I mentioned this when I talked about the Zemeckis version that 
you know, I, Forrest Gump to me, which you've also mentioned in a different context, um, I, I think is his own story of Pinocchio. I think Zemeckis already did that version of Pinocchio in a much more interesting way. And I think Spielberg did it with AI. So I think that the, the versions that haven't been directly connected to Pinocchio have been some of my favorites. But of the ones that bear the name Pinocchio, this one is definitely up there, I think, with the original Disney version. Yeah, I mean, I'm. You know what, Eric? Almost, I, I, I echo almost everything you said. I, I, for about the first hour, I was like, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then it did kind of settle into the story that we've all heard a million times. And the, I mean, the animation is never less than jaw dropping. I mean, this yeah. is as beautiful uh, an animated film as you'll see, and the stop motion animation is spectacular and beautiful. I mean, just every there are there are there are beautiful moments in every frame of this movie. It is a gorgeous looking movie with extraordinary uh, animation. Um, and I think, like you said, Eric, for that first hour, uh, I was like, "Wow, man, this is a great take on it." I love the fact that like Geppetto was completely shit faced, and Pinocchio turned out to look like a weirdo, and all of that stuff. And, and for the first like a third of the movie, Pinocchio is a total jag off in it who doesn't listen to anybody and i love that and that's part that's an element of the story of the classic story anyway you know what i mean like that's what the story is at its core what it's about and then it just kind of settles into a into a thing uh that we've seen before but the stuff that we haven't seen before um like uh the 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 character of death is so beautiful and and uh and and so many of the other stuff and and the way that they handle uh the cricket character is hilarious and and um (laughs) McGregor's voice work is hysterical and it's really good. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't as completely blown away by it by a lot of people, but that a lot of people are. I mean, I think it's terrific. It is without question one of the best animated movies of the year. Um, it is without question absolutely worth watching at least once or twice on Netflix. Um, and I was lucky enough to have seen it in the theater. Um, um, and I love it. I think it's, I think it's really, really, really terrific. And, um, and of the two Pinocchio movies, um, yeah, I like this one more uh, than than I did uh, than Zemeckis's version, which I know is hard to believe because I, you know, I'm, you know, uh, I I love almost everything that Zemeckis does. Uh, but yeah. Um, but anyway, and I and I, I will say that this, um, I love this, and and I, I I'm guessing maybe that I like Del Toro's stuff when it's not his originally, because I love I thought this was great, and my favorite Del Toro movie was Nightmare Alley. So I'm thinking maybe the stuff that he originally writes, I just don't respond to as much as the stuff that he interprets. I don't know. I don't know. What, I don't know. I don't know what that means. But anyway, uh, uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio is on Netflix now, um, so definitely check it out. All right, uh, Empire of Light is Sam Mendes' new movie. Uh, one of the seventeen thousand movies that have come out in 2022 about movies. And, um, you know, about the, 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 the romantic notion of movies and nostalgia in movies and all that stuff. And this is his take on that, Empire of Light. Eric, tell us about uh, uh Okay. Well, Empire of Light, it's set during uh, the about circa 1980-81 uh, in England, uh, mostly set around uh, this grand uh, movie palace uh, known as the Empire. Uh, Olivia Coleman plays uh, Hillary, who is basically one of the managers of the, uh, of the cinema uh, goes to work every day, you know, tears tickets, makes sure that the, the popcorn is settled in and everything, and uh, just basically goes about her routine the way that uh, a lot of people do when they go to work. Uh, she happens to be carrying on a sort of passionless affair with the owner of, of, of the place, uh, played by Colin Firth, 
uh, and uh, she may be having uh, some health issues uh, that we are sort of teased about, uh, mental health issues that uh, we, we see throughout. Uh, but then a new uh, employee comes to work one day, uh, Stephen, a uh, black man played by a young black man played by Michael Ward. And uh, the two of them uh, begin to develop a, a friendship uh, between the two of them that will ultimately sort of spiral into a, a bit of a relationship. She uh, sees the way that the sort of the, the racial stuff is is happening uh, in the country. There's a whole sequence where um, a, a whole parade of races basically go past the the theater and tr- try to break their way into the theater when they see uh, Michael Ward or, St- or Stephen in there. And uh, so the movie charts the course of their relationship while we begin to see her mental health begin to slip a little bit. You know, it's always, you know, when you stop taking that pill, uh, things are not going to go particularly well. Um, so, I mean, Nick, you gave a very broad uh, introduction to the story about the, the magic of cinema and uh, the, the way that the theater is sort of front and center. And there are many, obviously, many scenes set within the theater. Uh, I don't know if I would actually qualify this as one of these movies that talk about the magic of cinema, because the only time that really comes into play um, is certainly not with the the big premiere of Chariots of Fire, which I think all of us sitting there going like, well, not a very good movie. Uh, let's not pray. <laughs> let's yeah. not yeah. say the cinema saved. Uh, this theater is going to be saved by the presence of Chariots of Fire, Oscar right. winner it may be. But when you get to like, but towards the end of this movie where sort of the, I'm already calling it the infamous show me a film moment uh, that Olivia Coleman uh, has with Toby Jones, who is the projectionist at the theater. Uh, I think is going to inspire more memes and parody videos more than even the Nicole Kidman AMC promo. Uh, just videos of showing whatever they're she's watching is the, apparently the first time she's ever seen a movie, uh, which is never really discussed throughout the entire movie. There's never really this sort of sense that she's missing out on the magic by being outside of the cinema and not really experiencing the joys that I guess people are having a good time inside. It's not something that is really brought about. It's more about this relationship between her and this, this young man that never feels authentic. It never feels real. Uh, You never really feel what anyone's getting out of this, uh, you know, the little momentary connection that uh, this lonely, very lonely character feels. Uh, We know it's not going anywhere. We know it's not headed for anywhere happy, but it's not really something we're going to miss if it's gone either. Uh, I would much rather have seen more scenes between Coleman and Toby Jones talking about their, their, their day-to-day work. Um, So yeah, Empire of Light. I I mean, I don't even know what I, I had to think or say about this movie by the time it was over. I'm just, by the end of it, it was just kind of like, well, that's a movie and it'll go down in the history of movies as existing, but I really have no other thoughts on it. Okay. All right, Steve, what about you? Huh. Here, I think and Eric missed the mark slightly. The relationship, the, the movie that I kept wanting to see, and I thought we were going to head in this direction at some point, is between Steven and the Toby Jones projectionist character, because those are the scenes that like he actually like doesn't let people in his projection booth. He hates, doesn't want anyone in there, but he invites this kid in there and he starts teaching him how to run the projector and just everything. And I'm like, that's, that's the story you tell about to find the magic of cinema or whatever, like of just having someone kind of learn the, the ropes and the ground up. I can't stand 
people in general who work in movie theaters and don't actually go to the movies that much. That drives me crazy. So yeah, I'm not th- I'm not really looking at Olivia Coleman's character. She's and she's fine in this movie, but like I did I didn't care about her one iota starting from the moment she revealed that she doesn't ever watch the movies. Um I and honestly, like it wasn't really until Steven comes into the movie that I cared that much about this movie at all in any way. Um and I mean, look, the, the, and I, what I kept looking at was the, the theater itself. And it's shot by Roger Deakins. And so he is shooting the shit out of this movie theater. Even when the theater is basically just in the background, I was like looking at the, the, the grand staircase and like I, I was like mesmerized by the actual structure that they were in. But not really what was going on in the foreground most of the time. Um so, yeah, I, I don't think as a whole, I don't think the film comes together satisfactorily. Um, it's it's a curiosity in terms of and, and the Chariot the Fire thing seemed like the perfect movie to insert here, because that movie, I mean, whatever we think of it, it was like the biggest deal to the British at the time and British film. And but like the British people like to tell that kind of story. Um, that was like that. That was a big, big deal in the very early eighties for those British people. So that, that part made sense. Uh, that scene is terrible, but that, that part of the movie made sense. So, um, so yeah, not a, not certainly not one of the Sam Mendes movies that I will ever care about watching again, but kind of a mess. Yeah. No, well, it's to me, it's consistent with Sam Mendes. I'm not a fan. The only Sam Mendes movie that I actively like is away we go. And um, that's it. I kind of like revolutionary road. Um, mm. but that's about it. I mean, I can't stand American, uh, what the fuck is it? American beauty. Beauty. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I was going to say American pie, which was the better movie that year. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, his, you know, his, uh, what else has he done? The bond movies. Road, not that road good. Yeah. Don't like road to perdition. I, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm just not a fan. And, and yeah, and this is a very, uh, I mean, as you guys said, it's, it's confused and muddled and it really does not have a, a, a storyline. He's trying to do so much. Um, and Olivia Coleman could sleep while playing this role, which she kind of does. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, it's, a, it is like, it's Olivia Coleman rules and she's incapable of being bad, but yeah. this is as close to like uninteresting as Olivia Coleman can be. Um, Michael Ward is fine. Uh, I, Toby Jones bugged the shit out of me. It was such a <laughs> mannered force performance and all of his dialogue was this film. It, it's film is this and film is that blah, blah, blah. And it just shut the fuck up. And, um, uh, Colin Firth, I thought was funny. I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed Colin. I think Colin Firth might be my favorite performance in the entire movie. Yikes. I just didn't care. I didn't, I didn't get, no, I'm not saying his character was great. I'm saying the performance no, I, I think the performance is good. Um, he did what he was supposed to do. I, I think the movie is very confusing. It doesn't really have a through line. It doesn't really have a point. Um, I think it does try to be this celebration of cinema in some half-assed way. But sometimes it gets things wrong. Like, why is, you know, like the movie takes place in 81. Why is being there being shown at the end of the movie? Why the Blues Brothers is there? I was like, what's the timeline here? Do they have a, you know, I know know that sometimes movies open up at a different time in England. You know, Mm -hmm. so maybe that's what it is. So maybe that's what it is. But I just kept looking at the marquee going, wait a minute. That, how, how is that playing? And this was playing the week before and blah, you know, so. And yeah, I can understand why, you know, like the big British cinema thing with uh, chariots of fire but it's just so ridiculous that like like you know i mean we, we saw this movie at the same time all of us were in the room at the same time mm-hmm. and when they said chariots of fire they're having the big premiere of chariots of fire 
and we're all critics in the room. Everybody busted out laughing. Like that was the biggest <laughs> laugh in the movie. It was like, oh my God, we're going to have chariots of fire. And everybody's like, fuck off. Do you realize <laughs> Reds came out that year? Raiders came out that year? Get out of You know what I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. Um, but I also thought like, it, you know, like it try like all the stuff that Toby Jones had seemed really forced. And he was like really forcing his hand. Sam Mendes was. Um, it's, it's not a terrible movie because like I said, there are things in it that I, that there are certain scenes in it that I kind of like that aren't movie related. Um, the production design. And, and again, you know, you mentioned it, Steve, both of you mentioned it fucking Roger Deakins. I mean, what are you, what are you going to say? You want, you want a movie that looks jaw droppingly beautiful. You want cinematography that will stand the test of time. You hire Roger Deakins. And that, that's the, by far the best part of this movie is Deakins cinematography because it is a gorgeous Gorgeous movie. But outside of that, it left me really cold. I found the whole thing muddled and no point at all. So I did not care. Uh, I guess we all kind of felt the same way about Empire of Light. <laughs> yeah. You could have turned the sound off. I would have enjoyed it more just from yeah, looking I, at it. Like, sure, honestly. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's Roger Deakins, man. I mean, what do you, you know, yeah. like as soon as you see that name on the credit, you go, well, at least it's going to look great. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's it. So, yeah. And plus good. the day we saw it, if you remember, like we saw the Banshees of Inna Sharon right after it. So oh, we God. Yeah. The bottom of Empire Light by the end of that movie. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. That it, it did have the it did have the unfortunate uh, problem of being seen the same day as Banshee's <laughs> Sharon. Yeah, uh, it's not Mendez's fault that you know that that happened. All right, right, all right. Spoiler alert! A spo- spoiler alert is a movie that Eric. Now you have not yes. seen this. I have not um, seen this. No. Okay, it opens in theaters uh, today, and it stars uh, Jim Parsons, and it's from Michael Showalter, um, mm-hmm. based on a a true story. Um, tell us about, uh, Steve, tell us about spoiler alert. You and I have seen it. Yeah. I, I used to, full disclosure, I used to read Michael uh, Osiello's writing in like TV guide and entertainment weekly, but I had no idea going into this movie that this film was based yeah. on his t- 2017 memoir, which is fully titled spoiler alert. The hero dies. So I think there's a reason they left that second part of the title, but uh, it chronicles his relationship with his partner and eventual husband, Kit Cohen, um, in some ways, the film kind of plays out like a PG-13 version of the recent film Bros, uh, examining the tricky and complex nature and specific nature of gay relationships. But eventually, spoiler alert, turns into something sort of a little more transformative when it becomes a story of two people who become even closer when one of them falls ill. As you mentioned, Jim Parsons uh, plays Osiello as a somewhat persnickety personality and, and a gifted writer who is always on the move, traveling, interviewing famous people, and sometimes seeing life uh, from the perspective of a TV show, like he kind of sees his life that way, um, with himself as a lead and other simply characters moving in and out of his life. But when things get tough for him, he reveals... Like he kind of reverts back to like that fat kid who was watching, who was growing up watching soap operas with his mother and falling in love with the experience of watching television with a critical eye. So as you mentioned, Mark, Michael Showalter, who did who directed The Big Sick, uh, is working from a screenplay by David Marshall Grant and Dan Savage. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, spoiler alert moves back and forth in time as we see the early days of Osiello's 14 year relationship with Kit, who's played by Ben Aldridge. Uh, blended with more recent scenes of Kit and Michael coping with Kit's cancer diagnosis that eventually killed him within a year, uh, thus the memoir's title. Um, anyway, so coming out of sketch comedy show, Walter kind of can't resist throwing in purely 
comedic moments, like the, a shocking sequence in which Kit first visits Michael's apartment only to discover that he has a massive collection of Smurfs and Smurfs related memorabilia. Um, how the production designers even found that many collectible Smurf things is <laughs> I can't even imagine. But anyway, perhaps more predictable though, is the scene where Kit finally is introduced to Michael or Michael's parents I'm uh, sorry, Michael's introduced to Kit's parents, who are played right. by Sally Field and Bill Irwin, um, in, in sort of heightened in uh, all the more when he uses the moment to come out of the closet to them as well. Um, the film isn't particularly original as either a love story or a life-affirming deathbed drama, but I think Parsons and Aldridge have enough chemistry that I kind of bought their journey um, even as they're just getting to know each other. Still, as funny as their early days are and as emotional as their last year was, it's the material in between that I kind of find the most believable and interesting. They are like these building blocks of a long-term relationship. And get it, that's the stuff that kind of gets left out of a lot of romantic comedies. So and this is not a romantic comedy. This is definitely like a romantic drama. Um, those years should be celebrated or at least acknowledged. Um and, you know, there are, you know, there's time apart, there's bouts of infidelity, but it's like, that's the stuff that they build a relationship on. And spoiler alert, isn't trying to break any new ground, but it does want to create an authentic modern romance and embrace all that comes with it. And I think on that level, it succeeds. Yeah. You know what? I was surprised. Um, I mean, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. As yeah. you mentioned, Steve, doesn't cover anything new. We've, you know, yeah. we've seen the whole someone is dying romantic movie. We've seen it. I mean, there are references to beaches in this movie, and it's very similar <laughs> yeah. at times to beaches. Yes. And, and, and But it doesn't, I mean, it does that knowingly. Like, you know, like David Marshall Grant and Dan Savage, who are both tremendous writers. And David Marshall Grant, terrific mm -hmm. actor, who, by the way, appears in this movie as a, as a, as a therapist. Um, and I've loved him since American Flyers, for God's sake. Mm -hmm. um, we're going way back. <laughs> Um, but I, he's a terrific playwright, and, and, and obviously Dan Savage is an amazing writer, and they adapt yeah. this. And, and the stuff that they do to what is sort of a, a typical you know, kind of a story, uh, they do beautifully. There are things in it that are great. Now, what you mentioned, and to me, Steve, the strength of this, this movie does an amazing job at um, portraying what goes into a long-term relationship. Like when uh -huh. you're with somebody a long time, it can be shitty. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> there are lulls in those times and there are problems in those times. And the strongest stuff in this movie is the incredibly accurate and honest portrayal of what it's like to be in a long-term relationship and how fucking difficult mm -hmm. that is. Um, and then add to it that you just came out to your parents in a scene that I didn't find very convincing. Um, and Sally no. Field and Bill Irwin, <laughs> Sally Field and Bill Irwin are both terrific in it. You know what I mean? But they seem it all yeah. seems too easy. You know what I mean? Like the whole coming out thing seems like, oh, okay, we're fine with it. You know what I mean? It seemed weird. Um, and there are moments in it that, like you, you know, like like I said, that that you can you can predict. And it did remind me a lot of Bros, which is a movie that I enjoyed more uh, than this mm -hmm. one. Um, but there are things in it that I love. Uh, I I do want to mention Sadie Scott plays Kit's uh, roommate in this movie. And she is oh, right. <laughs> she she's my favorite character in the whole. She's my favorite character in the whole movie. And she, but unfortunately, she disappears about halfway through as their lives go on. I guess they didn't continue to be friends with her in real life. Yeah. But like his original roommate when they first meet is this monosyllabic woman who doesn't really say anything. She's just really and she's there. She's fucking hilarious. Like every scene with uh, with Sadie uh, Smith in this movie. Uh, is is hilarious. So she's my favorite, uh, Sadie Scott, I should say. And then there is a moment late in the movie where you know we've we've gone through this territory a million times. Something happens, and I, and I won't give away the details on it. But they break like a like a like a wall 
in the last like 15 minutes of the movie. And Steve, you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about. There is a moment yeah, where they yeah. kind of they, they do something stylistically completely different and they pull you out of the story and do something that takes you out of it. And it's brilliant. I was like, oh yeah, I, 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 for a, I had to sit up with that for a long time it's to figure a, out how. But I realized it, it does sort of go back to his childhood it, about absolutely, how he it's like a, a safe, like a safe place for him. Yeah, yeah. But, but handling cool, handling that moment where you you think you know what the next moment is because it's like, and we all know, mm-hmm. like everybody, it's in the title. There, you know, this is a deathbed moment. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So you think, okay, we got the deathbed moment, and it's and it's and nice. We're watching it. And the acting is really good, and then something happens on that deathbed moment that jars you out and it's astonishingly beautiful. Like it's a mm-hmm. really, really beautiful moment. And then on, the, on, the, on a very selfish level, I fucking love all the Gilmore girl and Felicity references in this movie. I almost <laughs> fucking fell <laughs> out of my chair. The, there's a moment at the end of the movie where he's, his, his character is completely inspired by Felicity, by the pilot of Felicity. And I was like, okay, this is the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And like, <laughs> Two minutes in, he has an argument with the editor of TV Guide, played by Matt Pays, by the way, um, mm-hmm. about Gilmore Girls. Now it's like, all right, I like this already. That's it. Like the main, <laughs> the main character is defending Gilmore Girls, and th- there's many references to Felicity. Like their first date, he starts screaming at him because he talks about Felicity's haircut on their first date. And I was like, you're goddamn <laughs> right, man. So, <laughs> so, oh, wait. Oh, I, I, wait, wait. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I right. love Nick's show. So anyway, that 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 was a reference that I that I just on a personal level I was like I was thrilled with the fact that there is a major moment at the end of the movie that involves the pilot of, of Felicity. And I was like, okay, mm. I'm with it. So anyway, um, I will say this though: I've never liked Jim Parsons, and I still don't. This is the best work I, he's ever. This is the best work. I, by, by far. I don't either. I feel the same way. Yeah, and and yeah. I. But this, like, I was I, that that was my biggest stumbling block. Yeah, this me movie. too. It's like me too. But it didn't take me long to get into it. Like, no, he, he's yeah. very good in this. Yeah. He is good. He is good. And there are times when he does the Jim Parsons thing, and that to me is when mm-hmm. the screenplay also lacks. But when the screenplay is running on on all cylinders, especially in that last scene, in that one of the last scenes, yeah. he's beautiful, and there's great stuff in it. So I, you know, I'm shocked at it. Actually, I mean, it's it's a movie we've seen a million times, but I think it's good. And Showalter, man, yeah. I guess he's just going to direct movies about people meeting in laws while everybody's sick. Is that was is that is that his thing now? Is that his it's fine. it's fine. I know. Fine with it too. So anyway, I like Eric. Him. You should you should check it out, Eric. Spoiler alert: it's better okay. than it's it's much better than you would think. It really is. Okay. So yeah. And, and yeah, and I'm telling you, you let me know, Eric, when you see it. That scene that we're alluding to, the deathbed scene that suddenly yeah. switches. Let me know what you think of it because I think it was pretty fucking inspired. I really do. okay. So anyway, yeah. all right. Well, uh, there obviously the one that we all agree on that you should watch is Pinocchio, uh, Del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and get out to the music box for all the Christmas stuff and all the weird Christmas stuff, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and make sure you watch your social medias and uh, and and in the internets for all the winners of the Chicago Film Critic Awards which are handed out on Wednesday the 14th. You guys uh, have a great new year. I mean, I'll see you personally. I'll see you guys yes. <laughs> before that. But have a great new year. And when we come back on January 6th, get your list together, man. We'll have some fun talking about the best of the uh, of the year. Yep. Oh, yeah. You got yeah. It. Same to you guys. All right, guys. Take care. See you later. Thanks. Thanks. There you go. Eric Childress and uh, Steve Procopi, my man. All right. There they are. All right. Let's get into it. Esmeralda Leon. Oh, she's the best. Let's talk to Esmeralda. Esmeralda, yeah, Esmeralda Leon, yeah, Esma, I'm talking about that Esma, 
Esmeralda. Hello. What the hell's happening with you? Oh, nothing. No? <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so, uh, hi. And, uh, you know, you were, Hello. You, were, you were not with us on Tuesday because it was a for the people. So I haven't speak, yes, I haven't speaking yes. to you. Uh, speaking to you. Yes. Norm Crosby speaking just walked in. Wow. Hi, I haven't speaking to you in a while. So uh, that's pretty I stupid. mean, I earlier just said... Can we can we Bluetooth that? Can we I don't Bluetooth think that's how that? you use it? Yeah, like I use it as a verb. Oh, like well, you Bluetooth you know, it. Then maybe Bluetooth it is. It? I mean, hey, you remember back th- in the Google wasn't a verb. That's Come true. On now. But I I believe it's just called. Can you pair it? Pair it. Right. Oh. So you're gonna pair. It's gonna pair up with. Whatever. Oh, I see. I thought you meant like the bird. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck does that have to do no. with a bird? Okay. I... <laughs> Because it repeated, I thought well, maybe it repeated something, you know, like a parrot. I just thought, okay. <laughs> I was like, can we Bluetooth? Bluetooth it to the. Can we, can we Bluetooth like, that's it? That's not correct. Let's Bluetooth that's it. That's not. That can't okay. be correct. All right, sync it. Is it sync it? Would that be more? Maybe. Sync it to something. I don't. know. Could be. That sounds correct too. Yeah. Maybe sync up. You know, because when you sync something up, maybe that's what it is. Right. I don't know. But I like Bluetooth it. Hey, man, let's Can Bluetooth, we Bluetooth it. it. Yeah, man, let's Bluetooth it. That sounds like a radio thing. We're, yeah. <laughs> Bluetooth it. Bluetooth it all weekend. Yeah. 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 I'm telling you, I think that's going to be a thing now when you Bluetooth it. I'm not sure what it is exactly. I don't, but I don't either. I don't either. When you Bluetooth yeah. it, neither does you'll this guy. <laughs> all right. Uh, so by the way Hi, I'm Carrie Russell And I love Nick's show Hi, Carrie Mm -hmm. Have you watched the trailer for Cocaine Bear yet? I did No, I watched it that day (laughs) The day we were all talking about it Hi, I'm Carrie Russell And I love Nick's show Uh All right, thank you, Carrie I'm still amazed because I was wondering <laughs> before I had seen it. I wondered how is the bear going to eat cocaine? Because cocaine, I mean, it's not like it's sugar. You know what I mean? It's not right, like mm, no, yummy. No, it's, but no, in the it, in the trailer, he just they just yeah the they brick. drop they drop they they drop like kilos of cocaine out of a plane and it eats bricks of cocaine. The cocaine yeah, it the, just. The <laughs> Like a bird down yep. its gullet. Like it's it doesn't the, even chew. I'm telling you, it's going to be the greatest film ever made. I mean, you know, you know how they just, <laughs> like, you know how Sight and Sound just did their, you know, their movie, best movie ever list and, you know, made all kinds of mm-hmm. headlines because they changed the number one movie and all that stuff. Next year when they do it or the year after when they do it or 10 years from now when they do it, number one movie of all time, fucking Cocaine Bear. I'm telling you right now. Uh, Yeah, maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Oh, oh man! Well, I'm glad you watched it, and I'm, I'm and I'm not kidding when I say that we are trying to get the lovely Gary Russell off of my porch yeah. and actually actually on the, on the podcast. 
Oh, I will say this, boy. Esmeralda, I sent a note to the publicist, the local publicist here in Chicago who, who mm-hmm. reps Universal. And she and I know each other. You know, we've known each other for a few years. And, you know, we get along. We get along really well and just fine and stuff. Uh-huh. And she yeah. laughed her ass off. She's like, are you serious? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we have her. I have this whole bit where we have her on the back porch. And she's oh, like, oh. and boy. then she listened to the podcast and she's like, all right. Uh, yeah, this might be a good in. <laughs> oh, okay good yeah right <laughs> yeah well maybe maybe she's she's a good she's a she's a fun sport oh about there's it. and i have no doubt in my mind because trust me Esmeralda, i have seen heard read everything you could possibly know about carrie russell like i've seen yeah. i think i've seen every talk show appearance that she's made since 1998 and i'm not kidding <laughs> I mean, you know how I feel about Felicity and how I love her. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. she's got a fantastic sense of humor. There's no question that she would find it funny. It's just a, just the, the work <laughs> of getting her on this podcast. Right. You know, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, speaking of this podcast. Well, you all the luck. Go- Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks. For- oh, but she's always here. Yes. Yeah, she's- <laughs> Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. Hi, Carrie. I love oh, this man. show. Can I ask you, Carrie, would you appear, like, legitimately let me interview you when Cocaine Bear comes out? Would you be on the podcast? I am Carrie Russell. Yeah, I know. I love Nick's show. But uh, you're not answering my question. <laughs> yeah. What, do, we do, don't know if that's a positive or negative. Right. <laughs> so what do you say? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. All right. I okay. love Nick's show. Yeah, okay. I well, almost we'll feel see. like, is it like, a, is it like a Groot situation? <laughs> you know, where Groot's just like, Groot? Groot, 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 Groot. <laughs> do, you, do you remember when years ago when the first Guardians came out and they had <clears throat> like a number, an 800 number you could call? And it was Groot. Oh. And, and then uh, just Groot you would, would call, talk or what? No, you, know, you, would call, you would call up and all it would say is, I am Groot, and then hang up. <laughs> oh, and then, oh. <laughs> that's wow. it, because that's all he can say. <laughs> that's well, all. right, but like, isn't that his language though? Because then he uses different inflections. Yes. I mean, all he says is, I am Groot. Those are the only, yeah, all he, he says. Goes, but like, sometimes he'll like, be like, mm. I am Groot. And he'll be mad. Sometimes he'll be, I am Groot. Right. You know? And even baby Groot <laughs> is, I am Groot. Right. That's it. <laughs> but no, they did. I mean, they, they actually, Marvel, Marvel actually had a phone line that you could call to talk to Groot. And it was just, wow. I am Groot. I am Groot. Bye. <laughs> you didn't even say bye. I am Groot. Because that's all he says. Groot and you know, who, you know who the voice is, right? <laughs> Um no. Oh, it it's it's Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel is Groot. Oh right. Yeah no no no. I remember. Okay, I forgot about that. He's even baby I'd, I'd He's seen even baby that Groot. somewhere. Yeah. He's even baby Groot. Vin Diesel. <laughs> I forgot. And, and that I believe oh, is Lord. the finest. It's the finest acting he's ever done. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. So check this out. We got a couple of emails here. You know our buddy Tom Appel. Yes. Who, you know, as you know, we just had Tuesday, we just had uh, a For the People mm-hmm. episode. He's our mm-hmm. car guy. He sent me this email and he says, hey, so this just happened. My wife just called because the UPS guy uh, uh, was leaving a package at the house and he asked, hey, is your husband a guest on the Nick D podcast? Uh- <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then she That's said, funny. yes. And he said, uh, um, that, tell him that my wife and I love the podcast. So there Aww, you go. Tom getting recognized so by the by the UPS guy. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. Uh, Natalie sent an email that says, I am now uh, listening to you as your tiny blue balls are rolling under your refrigerator. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get them out? 
I did, yes. I had to get the vacuum oh, out. Oh, you did? Oh, wow. I did. I had to get the vacuum out. I, I think I got them all. They rolled. I mean, you know, who knows? You know. Um, I'm amazed that you even attempted. I would have just been like, you know what? That's yeah. the fridge ate them and they're gone. Forever. I just, I don't like, here's the thing. I'm a, I, I will admit this. I am not the greatest, like, uh, uh, I, I, I do not keep the house up the way most people should. Hmm. Meaning that it's pretty dusty. You know what I mean? Like I could definitely use, like the windowsills could use some dusting. I could, you know. Right. You know, that kind yeah. of stuff. But I am sure. so, so anti like food related garbage. Yeah. Like I do not, there's nothing in the sink. There is not a dirty dish in the sink right now. The only place where there is food related stuff is in the garbage bag under my sink. And that's it. Like I do not leave plates of food out. Like I, like I immediately when I'm done eating, the shit gets cleaned up, the garbage gets thrown out. So like food, I do not leave food out. And when I lived, when I had roommates, including women Mm -hmm. who would like leave fucking food out, I'd be like, God, Damn, you know, it wouldn't, it would, and I'm not, yeah. and again, I'm, I, I'm very guilty of leaving, like I'll make something and just leave stuff out. Cause then yeah. I'm like, oh, I'll get it like after I'm done. And then well, sometimes I forget when well, I'm done. No, but you know, okay. Now, now the, the, the difference, I think what you're talking about is like when you're cooking something, right? Right. And I leave like yeah, that, vegetables. I, me too. Me too. And, but when dinner's over, the shit gets cleaned up. I don't leave it overnight. I don't leave it. You know what I mean? Like I don't leave it out. Um, we don't and, leave it overnight, but yeah. it'll be a few hours. Sometimes. Yeah, but but I'm saying like if I eat like let's say okay let's say I don't know let's say I order you know like a cheeseburger so I get a cheeseburger and I'm eating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm done with it, that garbage does not sit on the on the coffee table for 45 minutes or an hour. It goes right in the garbage. Oh wow! Look at so you. So when I but but again, if you walked into my apartment, you go, dude, vacuum a little. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, why don't you dust? You know, look at this. Look at look at the windowsills. I mean, they're really. You know, if I if I wore white gloves, no, and just went not, through your apartment, I would, fa- I would fail miserably. But yeah. now, so would I. <laughs> but there's but there's there is not a food related piece of crash anywhere in my apartment. And I pride myself on that. And because those little blue balls were like candy, I wanted to get them the hell out. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. want. I've I have lived in places that where we've had like I've lived in some places where we've had little roach issues and stuff. And yeah, well, that's you know the food thing is that's good because it yeah. can you can get bugs, you can get bugs, you can Absolutely. get roaches, mice, yep. rats, whatever. Yeah, yep. Yep. so it's good. It, that's a that's, good way to think. That's dust the only doesn't dust is th- dust. That, that's that's the way I think. Thank you, Esmeralda. Thank you very much. But I think like if people walk in here and they'd go, dude, you you better call Hazel. What the fuck? You know, like. <laughs> But uh, I pride myself on, like, any food stuff, that shit's cleaned up immediately. Like, seriously, there's nothing in my yeah. sink right now. The, my Good my kitchen you. sink, nothing Ours is it. full. <laughs> <laughs> We're, I usually, like, we'll let, we'll let it get kind of gross, and then I'll be like, okay, and then I'll clean yeah. everything up. I think it's because and there was I'll one. And then I'll when... I, I Colin think, leaves something because I just cleaned it. And I'm like, why? <laughs> I think it's because there was one place that I lived um, um, where it was my folks and I, the last, the, the last place that we lived before, before they moved when I was still living with them, people mm-hmm. moved in, people moved into the, the apartment downstairs and they brought roaches with them. Oh no. Um, and it, it, by the time we moved out, we need to, we had to like do the whole, like uh, we had to have the exterminator come in, bomb the building. 
You know what I mean? Like it was terrible. Oof, it was bad. It was like literally like lights out, turn the lights on in the bathroom. Blah, 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 blah. I'm not kidding. Oh God. So since that time, and this was a long time ago, this was like, ye- I mean, almost 40 years ago, almost 40 years mm-hmm. ago. And it was like only the last year we lived in this building. Uh, it's w- one of the reasons why we moved was because of that. Um, but I lived a, a year kind of infested with roaches and I will never, ever allow that to happen again on any yeah. level. Like if I see a water bug, I freak out. I'm like, what the fuck? And then I look at it. I'm like, okay, it's not a roach. And every once in a while right. you see a roach. You will. It just happens. And then like immediately I go nuts and start like fumigating. And <laughs> because where there's one, <laughs> where there's one, where there's one, there's a thousand. You know what I mean? And right. So anyway, that's why I'm so very very anal about like food food stuff like that shit yeah. is not it's clean <laughs> what about um what about those bugs with the 20 million arms and legs they what are they called millipedes or whatever no are. not millipedes nah, i know what They're you're talking like about grosser. The, yeah yeah no, i know i know i know what you're, they don't it, re, listen any bug at all doesn't really bother me except roaches and it's because of that and and by the way when we were Oh no, it is millipedes. Never mind. When we were when we were living there, and this was the place I grew up in, in on Addison, right by Reilly Field. Mm-hmm. That last year we lived there before we moved moved uh, further west to a different place. Um, that last year we dealt with roaches for almost an entire year, Oof. and it was literally right after cheap, right after uh, Creep Show came out. It was like literally, yeah. I was like, I can't even. I just, came, I could not, I wouldn't be able to live there. I would have to one, leave. And that's one of the reasons why we left. It was almost a year. It was almost a year of it. And we were planning out, my parents were like, okay, we, it's a long story, but there was something else lined up that they were going to, you know, we were all, we were, right. the three of us were going to move, even though I, we had lived there for like 20 years. But mm. there was something yeah, else. But, but, yeah, that's rough. But, the, but we were like, okay, we're going to leave. And we were planning on leaving anyway. But like when the roaches came, we were like, well, shit, we're definitely leaving now. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, that's why I'm like, you know, d- dusty as fuck in my apartment. I need to vacuum and I need to dust. But man, I'll tell you something. <laughs> the roaches don't like dust and they don't like that. You know, they don't like dirt in the vacuum. So I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this person who who asked us who said, "Hey, it was funny that my blue balls fell under the fridge." Yes, she was at our last uh, live event at Zane's, oh, nice. and she said, "I won. I have never been to the Gale Street Inn. I was wondering if you have ever been." Oh, <laughs> she's asking me if I've ever been to the <laughs> Gale Street Inn. Does she not? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I know we're not laughing okay. at you, Natalie. It's 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 no. But, it's just it's a, it's a funny notion because it is. That's all you talk about. It's the best restaurant like, on the planet. Yeah, and yeah. That's what all, I'm like. <laughs> we've all been there multiple times, and yeah. yes. And I was wondering yeah. if you have, and if so, what's the go-to item on the menu? Well, they're mostly known for their ribs at Gale Street. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and yes, it's great. But I'll tell you something, and I'm not just saying this. Everything on the menu is good. It's the best restaurant ever. George Carzes, who runs the Gale Street Inn, is the best. Um, and I'm looking forward to going there. And thank you for the gift certificate. And I'm hoping to come in January. So there you go. Okay, nice. Natalie. Yes, ribs are the, are the go-to, but you can get anything and it'll be good. And Gale Street Inn, yes, I've been there a billion, t- a billion times. And it's my favorite restaurant. So there you go. And thank you for coming out. Hey, by the way, Esmeralda, you know our next uh, hmm. our live event. Yeah. Tuesday, January 17th. Hey, you know what would make a great kiss, a Christmas gift, Esmeralda? Um, 
mittens. No, I was thinking more like, you know, <laughs> tickets for our live event. That that oh, was Oh yeah. <laughs> that would be wonderful. That's a very considerate person. I would have yeah, I would You could give and it to them with mittens. You and a pair of, you could put you can hide the tickets in the mitten. You know what I mean? Oh, Here's a little that would treat. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah. So Somebody listen. take that idea. <laughs> Here's the and we are announcing our special guest um the next couple about a week and a half or two mm-hmm. um but i i just I just confirmed it and we're gonna nail it all down and get it all done but our next live event is uh the Nick D podcast live on Tuesday January seventeenth mm-hmm. you and I will be on stage my dad's gonna come up yes. and tell some jokes we're gonna interact Very with the nice. audience we'll do some more taste testing we'll give away more prizes we'll do some more trivia we will have a blast and we'll tell fun stories. And our special guest, we're not gonna. It's not gonna remain a surprise, like it did the last time. We will announce right. it. Uh, but I will tell you this: we are actually gonna have Esmeralda on stage with us. Uh, one of the most legendary stand-ups, and he 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 he's actually won an Emmy. We're gonna have an Emmy award winner. Emmy award winning. <laughs> yeah, wow. and I don't mean a Chicago Emmy. You know what Should I mean? Should he I'm even talking, be there? Like, that's what I'm I saying. Like-, <laughs> like I'm not. It's not like a local Emmy. You know what I mean? That you know that somebody you know, you know somebody won a local Emmy because they interviewed a dude at a taco truck. You know what I mean? They oh, right. you won a lo- local wow. Emmy. I'm talking about a real. I'm talking about a real Emmy. Yeah. I'm talking like a real like, like on Emmy, TV Academy of Television yes. Emmy. So Ooh. he's he's won an Emmy. He's a legend in comedy. He's brilliant and funny and has been around forever. And I'm telling you, Esmeralda. He's going to be so much fun to talk to, and he's he's great. So I'm excited. So he'll be our special guest. So make sure you. And come I'm check happy. It out. I'm I'm glad to um I'm glad to tell people because I feel like that will also bring people in. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh, the last time I wanted it to be kind of weird, and Tony, you know, yeah, Tony, Tony Fitzpatrick, I gave hints. You know, it's like, hey, he's local. He's from the South Side. He's an artist. Like Jesus Christ! Immediately mm-hmm. you go. That's clearly Tony Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Especially if you know me at all, and you know I'm friends with Tony. Right. But this guy, I don't, I mean, I know him and we've met and he Mm -hmm. in the past was on my radio show a couple of times, Mm -hmm. but I reached out to him. I'm like, Hey man, would you mind? Like Tony's a friend. You know what I mean? Like he was like, yeah, I'll do it. Right. This guy's not like, I don't go out and hang out. Yeah. This is actually asking someone to do a show. (laughs) I asked an Emmy award winner if he would do the podcast live and he said yes. So anyway. But it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a blast. And even, you know, just us up there and my dad and having fun and talking with the audience was so much fun. And maybe one of my ex-girlfriends again will show up or whatever. Yeah. Oh, wow. What? what, How funny would that be if, like, one just shows up every time? Well, let me We don't plan it. It just happens. But let me me actually clear this up. The girl who showed up was not my girlfriend. She was the girl that I was in love with. All right. Well, what if um, just all the girls who you've ever been in love with, just one at a time, show up at every... It would be so incredible, right? Oh like every girl, God. every girl I've well, ever probably been in love for with. us it would be funny, yeah. but I don't know. No, if not you for me. Go through that kind of not trauma. For me. Well, no. But anyway, <laughs> hey, show up if you if you you know if I if I loved you at some point, show up. What the hell? Um, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> Zanies in uh, uh, Rosemont. You can check out uh, rosemont.zanies.com. It's Tuesday, January seventeenth. An Emmy Award winning comedy legend will be on stage with us, and it's going to be great. So please be there. And again. Makes an amazing Christmas gift, those tickets. Mm-hmm. Amazing With Christmas gifts. Amazing. <laughs> With inside the mitten. Inside a mitten. 
That's right. You can put one ticket in and then get two because, come on, who wants to go? Yeah. You you want to go with them anyway. That's right. That's also a good, if you don't want to buy the tickets for yourself, you buy them for someone else. And then go. And then they take you with they you. They take you with them. That's right. God, mm-hmm. It's so smart. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, Esmeralda, are you ready for our for our weekly megaphone or our episode for the megaphone? Oh, Yes. Yes, yes, right. yes. Uh, let me see. Wait a minute. Which one? Which one is it? Oh, okay. So <laughs> here's what it is. So the megaphone, by the way, the megaphone message, which again has taken off. It's the most popular thing we've ever done on this fucking podcast. Love it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm backed up. I have, and if you can keep me coming, tell me what you want me to say into the magic megaphone. It shall be played and recorded and we will talk about it and it will be specifically for you. And, you know, email me with your instructions at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. I am your megaphone monkey. That's what I'm now. That's what I'm now. <laughs> I am the megaphone monkey. Uh, or, you know, you can uh, voicemail us at 773-417-6948. Okay. Um, let me play it, and then we'll explain it. This was James, okay? James, uh, James sent in this request. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you ready, Rosemary? Yes. Here it is. Testing, testing, uno, dos, trace, catorce. Testing, testing, uno, dos, trace, catorce. So, testing, testing, right. okay. uno, dos, trace, catorce. All right. Testing, all right. Test- all right. So, now, Esmeralda, you should probably uh, be able to understand those four yes. words that I said. Right. Okay. Um, and most small children. <laughs> well, I don't know about Catorce because does do they go all the way up? Do they go past ten on Sesame Street? I mean, I, I think I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends. Because <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know anything past ten. You know what I mean? Like when I was a kid. Gotcha. I didn't. I, once they got, I was like, because only Sesame Street, if I'm not mistaken, was only uno dos tres. You know what I mean? It only went up to ten. Right. And I Couture's, mean, they might be going up higher. Who knows? I, don't, I mean, Catorce is uh, fourteen. Yes. Okay. So, do you know what that reference is? Let me. Uh, is it from the from the U two song? Oh, very good. But there's more. Hold on. Testing, testing. Oh, yeah. Uno, dos, tres, catorce. Okay. So, wow, very good, very good. It, it is from the. <laughs> it, no, I'm serious because some people be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But you got you, you, now. There's more of a story to it, and that's why James wanted me to do this. So his request was for for me to use the megaphone and say, testing, testing. Uno, dos, mm-hmm. tres, catorce. But here's the original. Okay, so you mentioned it was from uh, U2, right? Yes. Okay, so it's from the song, the beginning of the song, Vertigo. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is from 2004. And here, here it is. Okay, so that's Vertigo, all right? Mm-hmm. And that's when and I was like, oh, okay, that's that's what you know, like, okay, when it first came out, oh, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know if you're aware of this, and my old producer years before uh, you got to the station, and uh, many many years ago, my my one of one of my first great producers was Andy Herman. I don't know if you ever met mm-hmm. Andy. Um, no, but I've I heard much about him. Andy was a great producer, one of my favorite people in the world, and obsessed with Three's Company. Obsessed with it. Okay. Um, and we used to do a thing on my show years ago called the Three's Company Throwdown, where I would have people call in and try and stump Andy 
with really, really deep, crazy Three's Company trivia questions. And I'm not kidding. In the years we did it, he may have missed three questions. Oh, wow. And we're talking years of doing it on regularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, his knowledge of Three's Company was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and uh, uh, he came to Flashback Convention one year because, oh, man, now I can't remember who played Terry. Um, uh, the third oh, roommate. she was like in the second. She was the third one. Right? Because it was. No, but it, she was like in the iteration. She was the third. Yeah, no, she was the third. She was the nurse, co- right? Yes, the nurse. Because it, it went, it was Chrissy. And then Chrissy's cousin played by Jenny Lee Harrison, who I like the most. And then she wasn't very funny. So they brought Christine. Is her name Christine? What the fuck? Can you look it up for me? Uh, like who played? Priscilla Barnes. Priscilla Barnes. Okay. So Priscilla yes. Barnes has been in a couple of horror movies. She was in a couple of Rob Zombie movies. And she was in uh, a movie where she had three tits. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And I can't remember what, I think it was a Kevin Smith movie. Maybe it was a Kevin Smith movie where she had three tits or something, but she was in a couple of horror movies. She was at Flashback one year and I got Andy and I've never seen him more nervous. I, he met <laughs> Priscilla Barnes and I honest to God thought he was going to pass out because the, oh my God. Terry was his favorite of all the women in oh, Three's wow. Company by far. Mm-hmm. And his favorite era was the Terry era. Like he liked really? it more than Chrissy. He liked it more than Jenny Lee Harris. Wow, okay. Yeah. And so she shows up at flashback, and I thought, I honest to God thought Andy was going to pass out. I was like, he was shaking. <laughs> and he met her, and we introduced him. They talked, and I got pictures with him and stuff. In the pictures, he looks like he's shitting his pants, like he's standing next to her. And she was, <laughs> by the way, she was shit-faced. She was loaded. Oh, no. Oh, my God, she was loaded. It, she, was, she was drunk the whole weekend. <laughs> I don't know if that's her thing, but she was drunk the whole weekend. Priscilla Barnes was loaded the whole weekend. But anyway, Andy is obsessed with Three's Company. So when Vertigo came out, this, this one, right? This right here. Yeah. He was like, hey, have you heard this new, uh, have you heard this new, this new uh, song by uh, U2, Vertigo? And I'm like, yeah. He goes, you, you hear what he says at the beginning? And I go, I don't know. Because I, I don't remember. He's like, he says, uno, dos, tres, catorce. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay. And he's like, you know, he fucking stole that from John Ritter. Like, immediately when he heard it, I go, what? So, I'm going to play this for you, Esmeralda. You ready? Mm-hmm. This is John Ritter as Jack Tripper with a tape recorder from an episode from season five, I believe, 1981. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. The U2 record came out in 2008. This is Jack Tripper, 1981. Listen to this. Testing, testing, uno, dos, tres, catorce. So, <laughs> now. Just, so, wow. <laughs> the fact that he remembered that. that, I, that it, it didn't surprise me, you know, because we had been doing the bit for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, but this is, seriously, this is 1981 this is from. Testing, testing, uno, dos, tres, catorce. This is 2008. So <laughs> immediately, now how weird is that? <laughs> it. Oh. <laughs> I 
just I just love that he immediately is like Oh, immediately. He's like motherfucker stole it from Jack Tripper. I'm like, "What?" It's like, "Okay, sure." This is what this is why James wanted me to say this. So that's why I recorded it. But now here here okay. So immediately I'm like, so when this happened, I mean, you got to admit it's a little weird cuz how random is that? That like Right. Bono decides to say catorce. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they do it. And then, of course, Andy digs it up. Like, he, he dug it up. Like, before, like, YouTube. This was, like, in 2008 when people were YouTubing, but it was hard to find. Now you can find anything. You know what I mean? Right. But back then, he was, like, digging for it. And he's like, I found it. We played it on the air. And then I played. I, <laughs> I played. I played. I played this. <laughs> and then. And then. So Andy's like, you see? Bono stole it. And so now there's no way of ever finding out why, because who the fuck, like, I'm, you know, like, what, who, what am I going to call Bono and go, hey, did you steal Well, when from- you have him on the podcast right. at some point. Right, right. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, wait, hold on a second. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hi, hi, Bono. What did you want to say? Okay. Thank you. So... <laughs> All right, so then we were on a mission, okay? Andy and I were on a mission. Like, okay, come on. This is just too weird a coincidence. Don't you think it's a weird coincidence that, like, uh, some line in an episode of Three's Company where Jack, for some reason, says, uno, dos, tres, catorce? Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it's it's not... Yeah, like you said, it's not something that you would immediately think right. to and, say. And, and so, like, and then immediately... Andy was like, well, maybe Bono's like a big Three's Company fan. <laughs> you know, like he's, he's, he's like going. Maybe he was maybe watching was... Three's Company. Exactly. When he, when he wrote Vertigo. <laughs> I mean, it's not that crazy. So then there we started. reruns and. We started to look into it a little bit. And then I did a little research. And, the, and this is the explanation for why Bono says what he says. Okay. Mm-hmm. The producer that they worked with on their first three albums is a guy named Steve Lillywhite. Still, mm-hmm. Steve Lillywhite is a music engineer and producer who has worked with a ton of amazing artists, including, you know, the big, you know, obviously U2 and everything. He's worked with uh, Dave Matthews. He's worked, I mean, like, a ton. I go right to Dave. I go right to Dave. Um, but, but so Steve Lillywhite is a massively, you know, a popular music producer. Mm-hmm. So he produced the first three U2 albums and he came back for How to Build the Atomic Bomb or whatever the name of the album, The Vertigo, is. Right, yes, yes. And that's U2's 14th album. So Steve Lillywhite produced the first album, the second album, the third album, and the 14th album. And this seems like... It's a it's a tribute to Steve Lillywhite. Yeah, that's the explanation. So yeah, it's just a weird coincidence that like Jack Tripper said it in 1981. <laughs> so, but that's the the explanation is that Bono was paying tribute to Steve Lillywhite with Uno Dos Tres Catorce because he produced the first three albums and the fourteenth album. 
Interesting. That makes more sense. So <laughs> yeah. So this megaphone message took twenty minutes to explain. <laughs> I yeah. I mean, it's an interesting. <laughs> and I don't know if all of the it was megaphone. Quite a messages... journey. <laughs> it was quite a journey we went on. <laughs> All right. Listen, let's get into what we were going to talk about. We do have a Japanese uh, snack test we're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, mm-hmm. you found the article, and, I, and I, I did read about this before you you posted it uh, in our uh, in uh, you know in the document that you and I share when we come up with topics. Yes. Yes. Uh, tell everybody. You know, I mean, this is the they every year there is a word of the year. Mm-hmm. That and is this chosen. is um, yeah, and this is the Oxford Dictionary, right? It's not Merriam-Webster, which I feel like might have more, uh, like they legitimacy. Might be better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, more there legitimacy. You got legitimacy. <laughs> so this is the the Oxford Dictionary. So so they do they at the end of each year they do give you the word of the year, and sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's more than one word, it's like a phrase, the word mm-hmm. of the year. Um, right. And I, I was just as gobsmacked by this as you were, Esmeralda. Yeah. Tell everyone, and let's talk a little bit about Oxford Dictionary's 2022 <laughs> word of the year. So their word of the year is <laughs> goblin mode. So, <laughs> um, so I've never, I, I feel like I've heard it like maybe once, once somewhere far, far away. Or whatever, but apparently, it's a word that people were had been referenced in pop culture and whatever. I guess I wasn't paying enough attention because I haven't really heard it. And and um, I I have not either. But you are much more aware of what's going on, um, in anything that is under forty five years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> than I am. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? What I'm talking about. Like, like goblin mode could have like eight million people could have said it, and I would have missed it because I'm just an old man trying to get some wedges. So, but you, who are on the who are on the cutting edge of what's happening in the world, have yes. not really even heard I goblin haven't mode. heard it. Even you have. So, explain what goblin mode is to us okay. idiots. Yes. So, goblin <laughs> mode, the term refers to a type of behavior which is unapologetically self indulgent, lazy slovenly or greedy typically Mm. in a way that rejects social norms or expectations which i mean i could see that i could see people being like yeah goblin mode (laughs) i would just that just sounds like a jag off to me (laughs) pretty i mean yeah i mean what are goblins like are goblins goblins are usually not good people (laughs) well except for the except for the italian band that did the music for suspiria that's a whole different (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Whole different thing. <laughs> so goblin mode. Mm-hmm. And are there examples? Did they did they give examples as to like when it was used and how you use it in a sentence? I mean, I understand the description, but like what would be an exact like is there an example of like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna sit on the couch and be in goblin mode and then you eat fifteen pizzas? I mean, is yeah. That... Okay. Pretty much. You you explained it yeah, that's it perfectly and then also mind you uh the this was the this was voted on apparently yeah uh this was which because that always goes wonderful <laughs> when people are given the option to vote for things yeah uh the second choice was metaverse and then the 
The third one, which makes no sense to me because it is a hashtag, it was hashtag I stand with. <laughs> so people just went haywire and voted so, for whatever, essentially, when you not say, actual words. When you say this is voted on, you mean open to the general jagoff public? Yes. Got it. Voted, okay. voted on publicly. Okay, well then that <laughs> indicates to me you know, that's a mistake. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's just a mistake. You don't want to open up anything to the fucking public and allow them to determine what is the thing of the year. You know I what mean, I mean? It's like that. Um, <laughs> did you do you remember this was in 2016 when a group of uh, well, it wasn't a group, but it was in uh, England, I believe they were naming a boat. It was a, uh, a polar research ship and they they put it out to the public to name it. Oh, no. And uh, the winner of that was Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I got to say, So, man, you man. know, the public is... <laughs> no, anytime. Is, I just watched the People's <laughs> Choice Awards the other night. They were on. And I don't know. I, I, um, I taped it. I, I, I DVR'd it. Uh, mm-hmm. While I was while I was watching that fucking Avatar movie, <laughs> that ten hour piece of shit Avatar movie. Um, oh I'm, shit! I'm not allowed to. <laughs> There's an embargo. <laughs> anyway, I was watching that. And I but anyway, I, when I got home, I was like, "Oh God, I need to watch something." And I put on the. I had taped the People's Choice Awards. Do you know how stupid the people are? Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, no, I know like, very well how stupid people like are. <laughs> the People's Choice Awards. Like, I'm watching the People's Choice Awards, and every time I would ever watch the People's Choice Awards, they've been around for 40 years or whatever. And yeah. I watched it because Keenan Thompson hosted, and, you know, I mean, it was awful, and he did the best he could. You know what I mean? He's Keenan Thompson. Mm-hmm. He got to do his Steve Harvey, which is always good. How's it going, player? Right. You, like the nice. button, you like the buttons on my suit? That's always funny. <laughs> but, but... But, like, the winners were, like, the TV... You know what TV show won the People's Choice for Best TV Show was? What was that? Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> really? Yes. See, but that makes this, sense. This is when you allow the people... The people vote. Right. People when you allow the people to vote. Right. Ryan, Re- Ryan Reynolds gets the Icon Award when you allow people to vote. <laughs> you know You know what I mean? <laughs> So yes, Boat McBoat. Oh, no. What's his name? Bodie McBoaterson. What was his name? Uh, Bodie McBoatface. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. So that's it's. This is very unsurprising that Goblin Mode, Goblin Mode. won Word yeah. of the Year. Well, and this is one of the first times that they let the public vote on it. So yeah, of course, of course. Well, what I sent you <laughs> what the, we get. I sent you the the article that kind of goes back. You know, and list some of the other right. ones, and then uh, the but these are like chosen because of other things. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, not because the you know, yeah, because the people because of the world, the idiots, voted the, for it. it's the jagoff public voted for it. Um, but I mean, some people they are actually like, well here they actually give they give a little bit better uh, on that website. Um, so. See again, people's choice vote of Goblin Mode. Jesus Christ. Um, no. People are so um, stupid. I swear to God, man. It's just... No, it said, uh, <laughs> what I mean, I do understand. So, Goblin Mode, I do. Un- I mean, I, I get it. 
it does yeah, it's actually I, a good it's a good phrase um, to me no. that's a phrase but okay um, but is it is but it the positive? president but the president of the oxford languages said about it um the given the year we've just experienced goblin mode resonates with all of us who are feeling a little overwhelmed at this point Get it's here. the relief to acknowledge that we're not always the idealized curated selves that we're encouraged to present on our instagrams and tiktok feeds that's kind of nice yeah well because goblin mode is like when you're just like a like a monster yeah yeah which i mean okay i mean i guess but the thing is it's like okay i'm not i'm, I'm not arguing sort of the effectiveness of the phrase itself Mm-hmm. I am, however, arguing how much it seeped into the zeitgeist because it didn't really. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. not, well, I mean, I mean are, enough there... because enough people voted for this well, damn word. Yeah, but enough people voted for <laughs> Bodie McBoatass. You know what I mean? So that <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But like, okay, listen, we're running out of time here, but we'll hang on to the other words of the year. We'll do that yes. next time, okay? But yeah. uh, but yeah, but yeah. but the other thing is, I do I will say this: I do think it's hilarious when people do like purposely fuck up something when they open it up to the public to vote. You know what I mean? Like people will oh, do it. Like, of course. I think it's hilarious. Like I think it's hilarious that it's Bodie McBoat face. Like I think yeah. that's I think that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then somebody, and then in this article that I found with the name that uh, somebody posted on Twitter at the time, imagine Bodie McBoat face sank and everybody died. Imagine the news having to read that out with a straight face. Yeah, could you? I mean, yeah, you're like, yes. and um, <laughs> like breaking news. Bodie the RSS Bodie McBoatface has sunk, and everyone is just like, oh my god. <laughs> oh man, all the McFaces were 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 were, uh, were drowned. All right. Well, listen, we'll we'll talk more about the other. We'll go back in time. Uh, for the next the next time we meet, for sure. Yeah, and, we and... still have. You know, we can still do these end of year things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So we we've been taste testing some Japanese candy and some Japanese snacks, thanks to our buddy and good friend uh, Deanna, and we've chosen a couple yes. of things. We 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 do taste test two things per uh, episode. Um, let's go. What do you want to go with first, Esmeralda? What do you think we should taste test? Um, let's do the let's do the Poriki. Okay. What are we taste testing? Uh, it's Poriki. And there seems to be an insane chef laughing his ass off with a crazy mustache. Yeah. So these are Yao Yaokin brand Horiki pretzel snack sticks. And the okay. ones that we have, that is uh this is German potato salad. Oh no. So kidding. It, it's supposed to taste like a bowl of savory German potato salad with bacon bits. Get out of here, really? Yeah. Okay, that's I'm opening what the up the flavor it's is. Savory... Which I think is super fun. Yeah, absolutely. Savory German, savory German potato salad with bacon bits is what we're going. Yes, and they look Which like very I always. Thi- they look yes, like very thin ahead. breadsticks. Very thin breadsticks. Yeah, they're like if if people are familiar with with pocky. Yeah, it's this, but not covered with chocolate. Right. Okay, these seem to be the. Um, oh my goodness, that smells like potato salad. Hmm. Oh man. Oh. Do you get potatoes, a German potato salad? I, yes, I do. It, it takes mm. a little while. Like the after, the after effect is there. Mm. It's good. It's lovely. Yeah. I will say, I always love other countries have great flavors of chips and like these, you know, just like savory things. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, we don't have any. I mean, we've started to get chips that have like crazy flavors. Yeah. Quote unquote crazy flavors. But, you know, you go to England, they got roast chicken. <laughs> it's like, I love it. No, you know what they, you know what um, they just, you know what? I, I don't have one because they ran, they sold out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Pringles. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I have a couple. I'm looking right now on my, uh, on my counter across from my dining room table. I'm looking right now and I have sour cream and cheddar flavored Pringles mm-hmm. and pizza flavored Pringles. Those are the two cans that I have. Um, but they have, have you ever tried rotisserie chicken flavored Pringles? No, I don't eat Pringles. Oh. <laughs> I just, right. they weird me out. I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're again, like the McRib, they're processed and they're not. Oh, speaking of. Mm, yeah, but. McRib is back. Yeah. <laughs> McRib is back. Yeah. But like everything is processed. Right. It's just that like, I don't like the crispy. They're too like, are they baked? Yeah. I don't like that they're baked. Okay, you like them fried. You you like your. I love you, fry. Yeah, okay. fry them up. Gotcha. All right. Well, I'm a I'm pro on this. Uh, yeah, that's lovely. German potato salad. And they have they have a bunch of different flavors. Um, okay. But we got um, German potato salad. German potato salad. But there's like barbecue. There's corn. Mm. They. I feel like Japan really loves corn. They do. It's no corn. question about it. No question about it. Corn. Have you seen that? The little kid. Yes, I ha- yeah, of course okay. I have. Yeah. I may not know what beast mode is or goblin mode. Goblin mode. No, I know beast Which, mode. Beast mode is a thing on, on pro wrestling. Beast mode is like when you work out or something, isn't it? Right. Beast mode, yeah. And then they use it on wrestling a lot, too. Like, yeah, man, he's well, in beast there you mode. Go. You know? Well, but goblin mode is goblin when you're mode. just like indulging. Is that or is like, that? Mark. You know what goblin, what goblin mode should be? It's when you are mm-hmm. most when you are most like Willem Dafoe. That's when, that's when you... <laughs> I would like to see Willem Dafoe in Goblin mode. Well, you need to see all the Spider-Man. He's in three Spider-Man movies. Is that, is that dude? So, okay. Um, all right. So the next one is Choco Cream, and the company is named Bourbon, but there's no booze in this. Yeah, that's just their name. And this is a stick. Um, I just yes. It up. This is this is actually this is quite like um, fancy pants. It's like a little. It's um. Like one of those, like a like a straw with stuff in the middle. And it's got, my guess is like what are those called? When we bite into it, it's gonna have it's gonna have like 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 maybe frosting like material in it. You know? Yeah, what I mean? it's got choco cream. Okay, choco cream. <laughs> okay, here we go. These are very classy looking. Mm-hmm. Mmm. Mmm. I enjoy that. Yeah, it's like a little wafer. It is. It's good. I would. I and would, then there's I chocolate would, in the middle. I would like a little more filling. I gotta say, I think the the crust filling ratio is a little lacking. You would overindulgent <laughs> American. Right, I'm a fucking <laughs> goblin mode. I'm in goblin mode. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, man, all of this, mm. you know, like most of the Japanese stuff we've been taste testing has been pretty strong. I gotta say, right. Yeah. I want to go to Japan. I will say, and I think this just is like across the board. Well, at least at least Korean. I think Japanese are the same. They're um, what do you call them? Like Seven Elevens, yeah. Convenience stores are supposed to be amazing. I bet. I like bet they, they are. like you can buy, you can eat, you can make whole meals there, yeah, and they're yeah. not gross. <laughs> Like it's sad when you have to do that at the Seven Eleven, but you if know, you go to their Seven Elevens, they're like amazing, and you uh, can get really good. 
I bet. stuff. So I am not surprised that all these snacks have been delicious. They've been pretty good. And straight from Japan, we thanks Deanna again. And we'll, we'll do mm-hmm. two more taste tests next time, and then we'll go back and talk more about the words of the year. And I'm sure that we'll have more megaphone messages that aren't going to be as complicated and, and, and significantly. <laughs> it won't be the journey we yeah. took to, on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a fascinating <laughs> one nonetheless. So uh, It was. Get your it tickets was. to Zanies and give them as gifts for Christmas. Uh, it's January 17th on Tuesday. Emmy Award winning and unbelievable comedian uh, giant is going to be with us. Esmeralda and I will be on stage Tuesday, January 17th. Go to uh, rosemont.zanies.com. You want to advertise with us? Sales at radiomisfits.com. Want to be a part of the Nick D podcast or leave a voicemail message or a contribution or a question or anything like that? Voicemail 773-417-6948. Email nickdpodcast at gmail.com. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. My thanks to Eric and Steve. And coming up on the next one, another visit with Dan Feinberg uh, from the... Hollywood Reporter to Talk TV, and of course, Esmeralda will join us as well. Thanks, Esmeralda. Thank you. And thanks, everybody else, for listening to the Nick D Podcast here on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.